I started this a number of weeks ago and never in the world thought this would be a series. I thought it was just a one-time shot and I couldn't get through. So I'm talking about, you know, God's doing something fresh in the body of Christ for those that will allow him. How many would agree that? In fact, Isaiah 60 is being fulfilled. I rise, shine, your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And that's the time when darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people. But God said his glory would shine and his glory shining. How many can tell it? So we've had some really wonderful times on Sundays the last uh, month or so. And, you know, really every Sunday I've had always had a ball. But God's doing something fresh and different. And uh, if you let him, he'll do something fresh and different in you. And this is a time to seek more than you ever have, right? Uh, draw near to God and he will draw near to you, as, as James said. So in doing that, one thing I wanted to make us aware of, and it's just taking longer than I thought, be aware spiritual, uh, spiritual renewal brings persecution or challenge from the enemy that's what i'm talking about so we're talking about you know to be forewarned is to be forearmed just be aware of the tactics of the enemy to try to sideline you when you're when you're pressing towards god and i've given personal anecdotes of times that i pressed towards god when i was young when i was 18 first came to jesus the call of god the ministry came and you know when those kind of things happen tremendous opposition occurs how many hear what i'm saying and then as you tool through life and obey god and make transitions and make steps, you'll find that every time you make a, a, a forward step towards the Lord, it, it feels like there's tremendous opposition that comes your way from some uncanny sources. Sometimes it comes through finances. Sometimes it comes through individuals. Sometimes it comes by an direct attack on your mind. How many hear me? And uh, But there's persecution that often comes up from unlikely sources. And we looked at all these things over the last number of weeks. We looked at Jesus' ministry when he was a, when he was baptized by his first cousin John the Baptist and began ministry immediately after his long fast Satan came to tempt him and uh, and to resist him and it says uh, after Jesus resisted he left him for a season the idea behind that is he's always coming back looking for an inroad and if he did that to Jesus how many know he'll do that to you and the good news is we go into this battle knowing we've already won the victory is that right Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. So we went through the book of Acts and we looked at, you know, after the uh, day of Pentecost and all those thousands of people were saved, there was tremendous persecution that were stirred up against the church uh, in Jerusalem. And, and that persecution spread, and it was a, a tremendous persecution, but it came. So we talked about that, and then we took some time, and we've been looking at four ways Satan attacks. Um, and we looked at First John two fifteen. Uh, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And then it mentions the world being the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. We looked at all of those in detail, if you remember. All of this is online if you missed one of these. And then we, we talked specifically in a practical way how to resist the flesh, how to say no to the flesh. And we talked about spending time in the Word. We talked about drawing a line of demarcation. Satan will always try to get you to go back to what you did before you knew Jesus. He'll try to bring that stuff back up in your life. You just got to put a, a big do not trespass sign up. Is that right? In the spirit realm. Say, so I'm not going back there. I'm not doing that anymore. And then uh, many times we need to change our friends. For me, I had to change the close friendships. Some of them I had lifelong, but because my friends didn't want to change and go the avenue that, that God, you know, led me in as I came to Jesus, I was still friendly to them. I was still nice to them. You know, I would still speak to them, have a conversations. But as far as doing things as friends, I had to take a step back because their values were not my values. How many hear what I'm saying? You'll find the same thing in your life. Evil communications or friendships corrupt good morals and character. First Corinthians 15, 33 says we talked about that. Uh, so, and then last time we talked about the, the second way that Satan attacks. First way he uh, attacks is the world, and that's what I just talked about. That's the lust of the flesh, lust of us, pride of life, and all that. Secondly, he attacks through mental harassment. How many have been harassed mentally? How about today? You've been harassed mentally. Well, you got to say no. So I shared a lot. I, I think I mentioned this. Uh, the book I wrote, Change Your Mind to Change Your Life, there's so much I can't even say a half of that. Uh, a quarter of that, uh, an eighth of that uh, in the time we have here. So if you don't have that, go get it because it really talks about the mental challenges we face. And if you want to have a successful life, how many know you have to control your thought life? 
And the crux of this book is, I mean, the, the best way for me that I've ever found meditation in the Word. Just keep Scripture with you day and night. In fact, I wake up at night. I've t- said it so many times. I just meditate on Scripture. And, and because the devil doesn't want you meditating on Scripture, you go right back to sleep. <laughs> That's just the way it is many times. So the third way that Satan attacks, and I won't hopefully, I don't think I'll spend much time on three, but number four, we're going to stay there for a while tonight. Uh, the third way the enemy attacks uh, when you're aggressing towards God is seeking to get you into envy and strife or discord. How many hear me? And so here's James three thirteen through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show his works by his good life and meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, do not boast and do not lie against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, and devilish. For where there is envying and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. Now, that's interesting that he says that. So envy and strife, that is, I have ought in my heart against someone else. I'm not in agreement. We're not on the same page. Things are a, a bit awry and skewed in conversation, relationship. You got to be careful that that doesn't affect your heart. How many hear me? We're all going to have disagreements in life and and, you know, even Paul and Barnabas, you remember, if you read the book of Acts, they had disagreements and they, they kind of had to part ways and uh, they didn't see eye to eye. And it's often that way in life, uh, in business, in, in, and in ministry as well. You know, often you may not see eye to eye with somebody. How many know we have to learn the art of disagreeing without being a disagreeable person? And back years and years ago, you know, I was reading Romans 12, and, and I've ne- never been able to make it any better than, than just the way Paul said it. This is King James. As much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. And see, that spoke to me as a young boy. I was 18 or 19 when I read that, and God spoke to me. Uh, as much as lies in you. See, you can't, I can't control what somebody else says or does, but I can control me. Is that right? And now we live in an out-of-control world. And everybody's doing their own thing and giving, trying to give each other a spit bath, so to speak. But, you know, I can't control that, but I can control me. So he said, as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. What does that mean? Well, find the areas you can agree on. The areas you can't agree on, well, you've got to put them on the shelf. You don't have to lie and say, I, well, that's just wonderful, I agree. You have to say, well, I'll agree to disagree. Hey, let's go have lunch. I mean, you know, you just got to go, go there. How many hear me? So he said, for where there is envying and strife, there is confusion in every evil work. We've got to refuse to allow ourselves to get into envy and strife. Anything that causes discord in a heart towards another person. Uh, he said, there is confusion in every evil work. It's like it opens a portal or a door for the, the, for the demonic realm to come in and rob and steal and kill. And how many know we can't afford that today? Would you agree? But he ends that by saying, but the wisdom that is from above is pu- uh, first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. One thing I, I don't do, and I, I just like to be real, is, uh, you know, if I disagree with somebody, I'm not going to tell them I agree. Because <laughs> that's lying, Right? But, but I've got to learn to do that in a way that, that they know I love them. But we may not be on the same page. And today, people, instead of talking their hearts and expressing their hearts, they just put a wall up and don't say anything. I don't think that solves a problem, do you? But, but you can't get involved in envy and strife. I won't allow strife in my life. Strife is, is when my heart is in discord with somebody else. Or, or, or I'm, I'm deeply bothered by them. And, and the reality is there's a lot of things in life. If, if you're having an issue in a relationship or there's a disagreement on your job, in your business, with your family, even with your children, and as you age, your, your grown children, you know, you, you got to be willing to talk those things out without being overly angry and saying things that should not be said. Yes or no? That's really important at the same time. You know, when something really bothers you, how many know you got to take it before God and say, God, I choose to love so-and-so, and I choose if there's any ought in my heart towards them, I forgive them in Jesus' name. Yes or no? How many know that's the Bible way? 
In fact, that hinders our faith. Jesus said, if you have anything against anybody, forgive them. Let it go. Let it drop. Mark eleven twenty five. So, you know, uh, I just can't afford the luxury of envy and strife. None of us can in this really strange day um, that we're living in. And the uh, idea here is let it go. And so for me, one thing I do, if I'm bothered by a situation, I'm, I'm bothered by a disagreement with somebody, I make that person a part of my prayer life. And I, and I pray, I really pray for them. And, and I lay my heart before God and I say, uh, sometimes several times, I've had issues that I've had to deal with several times in a day and say, God, I need to lay this down before you. Um, so and so and I had a conversation and, and it went that way and, and they thought this and I, now I'm gonna lay that before you. If there's any ought in my heart, if I need to have another conversation, you work it out. How many hear me? How many know you got to do those kinds of things? The other thing about envy and strife is we should never allow ourselves the luxury of gossip or talking about someone behind their back in a way you would not talk to them if they were in your presence. That opens up a portal for the enemy to come in to attack. Don't be involved in that. And let's stay clear. What do you say? So the, the third way the enemy attacks is with envy and strife. And it's amazing to me how how you can be tooling along doing great and all of a sudden something happened, something said, and it could become a strife-filled situation. Avert, don't allow. How many hear me? Go back and read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, and uh, oh my. And so I think that's one area that we have to really stand guard. And that's one area if the enemy can't keep a church, get a church into what I'm about to talk about next, he'll get them involved in envy and strife. And how many know that will quench the power of God? It'll quench the power of God in your personal life. Then it'll also quench the power of God in the church as a whole and in the atmosphere and the Holy Spirit won't manifest. Yes or no? I remember as I'm talking, see when I'm talking, things come up. Kenneth Hagin, as I lived in Tulsa for eight years and listened to his ministry when I could visit his meetings, he would frequently talk about and discussing spiritual gifts and the manifestation of spiritual gifts. And he had gifts of healings would manifest in his ministry and just had a really strong anointing on his life. He said, I don't remember him saying, he said, you know, I'd go to some churches and, and we would have a, a great move of the Holy Spirit. And he said, I'd go to other churches. And he said, the people love me. They love my preaching, but it's like, couldn't get any, the Holy Spirit wouldn't do a thing. And he said, when he looked back on it and, uh, you know, just had some conversations with the pastor, he said, many times the churches where there was strife, where there was envy, where there was discord, where there was dissension, and nobody was willing to, to face it and deal with it. How many know some pastors will just sweep it under the rug? You can't sweep that kind of stuff under the rug and expect to progress spiritually. You got to deal with it forth, forthrightly. Yes or no? So he said, uh, you know, they said it was in our church and, and he could, well, it hindered the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It'll quench the Spirit. So again, how many know we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God? whereby you're sealed to the day of redemption. So again, corrupt communication in Ephesians 4.29 is one of those things that grieves. So that's something that we always have to deal with and always have to, have to uh, just be on guard about. And I think now uh, that our culture is becoming so pressed and pressured, uh, and you know, I was, for, I'll just give you a for instance. I went, by, I went by somebody yesterday just driving, and I'm minding my own business. You know what he does? He sticks his middle finger up at me. <laughs> well, God bless you. It's God bless you. And I went on by, <laughs> you know. But I'm just saying that to say that's the way the culture is. Yes or no? And, and you got to figure, and then people blurt things out, say things in public and the store when you're in line. And this is say crass things. So how many know we are peacemakers and we're called to be lovers? And he didn't call us to agree with everybody, but we're all supposed to get along with it as much as lies in us. Yes or no? Number four. Y'all ready for this one? I must probably spend the bulk of the time tonight on this one. You ready to be challenged? The, num the fourth way that the enemy attacks is with deception and false doctrine. Mm. This one's really strong today. Uh, it's, it's really kind of heartbreaking. And I, I tell you what I'm feeling. I'm looking at the clock and looking at what I got to say, but I almost want to open this up for discussion at some point. So let me just get this out. Is this okay? Because this one's strong. Deception and false doctrine in America is, is um, uncannily strong. And, you know, I've, I've been with Jesus. Uh, well, how many years is this now? This is my 40, how many years? 46th year in Jesus. And, and I'm really surprised. I'm, I'm really, 
heartbroken about the church and and the way it is and, and, and what we're not saying and how we're not influencing our culture. Instead, instead, it seems as though we've amalgamated into our culture or our culture's amalgamated into us. And it's watered us down. And instead of being the salt and the light, we're a non-influence. Now, that's apparent because of what's happening and the challenges we're facing in America. How many hear me? So let me go here. Here it is, 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. Uh, the Apostle Paul talking to a young minister, a young pastor, Timothy. So now the Spirit clearly says that in the last times, uh, some will depart from the faith. Wow. And pay attention to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. This is the modern English version. It's very close to King James. I really like it. It cleans up some of the antiquated words. It's a really good translation. Uh, and I don't think you can find it online. Is that right? He said he can't. I'm, I should have changed it. Sorry about that. But it's real close. You can put New King James. It's fine. Uh, so he says, uh, uh, they depart from the faith and pay attention. See, that grips me for somebody who knows the Lord to start paying attention to what's not right. What would cause them to do that, I wonder? Then he says, attention to seducing spirits and, and doctrines of devils. And that word seducing, what does it mean when somebody is seduced? So I took some time. I have this uh, dictionary on my, on my iPad. And I just went to the word seduced to lead astray as from duty. It's not on in my notes. Uh, rectitude or the like, corrupt, um, to, to lead or draw away as from principles, faith or allegiance. Obviously, has uh, to persuade, or, per, persuade or, or induce someone to have sexual intercourse. Of course, that's a su seduction. But then he also, the last one is to win over, attract, entice. Uh, and he gives an illustration of supermarkets seducing customers with special sales. Synonyms often under, uh, explain a word. So when this word seduce, it kind of stuck out at me when I was reading this. Uh, bait, uh, these are synonyms. Bait, beguile, betray, bribe, coax, deceive, decoy. Uh, delude, draw, entice, entrap, hook, induce, invite, lead astray, lead on, lure, mislead. Uh, oh, wow, it's got the word mousetrap. How about that? Persuade, pull, rope in, steer, string along, sucker. Uh, and uh, wow. So it just gives the idea of seduce. That is, a person's going a certain direction, but they're listening. They started listening to something else. That's what I get out of that. So he says... Uh, uh, some will depart from the faith, pay attention to seducing spirits. Now, there's demon spirits. And doctrines, doctrines of devils. I wonder what kind of doctrine the devil would, would muster up. Hmm. Then he goes further and says, speaking lies in hypocrisy. So this person's saying things that aren't true, and then they're not living what they're saying. It's really interesting. Hmm. Hypocrisy. Having their consciences seared, with a hard iron. Now, that's a person who repetitiously does something over and over again until that something no longer bothers them. So that's the way you get a callus on your hand. Or I've got a callus on my big toe from the way I walk. So, you know, and a callus is a piece of skin that, you know, just becomes hardened over time. And he says you can have a calloused heart. Uh, you know, a calloused heart will allow a person who knows better to do what maybe five years ago they would never even think about. Is that right? Wow. So that, that's the time we're living in right now. He said having their consciences seared or cauterized, some translations bear, with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God has created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth for every creature, for everything created by God is good and nothing to be refused if it's received with thanksgiving for it's sanctified by the word of God in prayer. I've got a couple of study Bibles I want to read from, and I think I put the notes, I did put the notes online. Uh, Dake's Annotated Reference Bible is an old, old reference Bible. Um, I think Dake probably wrote this. Um, he's got another book he wrote in 1949. This may be 1960 or so. It's really old. So, so his note on forbidding to marry, listen to this note. And this really tagged me. He said this, To forbid means to prohibit, hinder, oppose, or operate against. And he goes on to say, Seducing spirits influence people to hinder and operate against wedlock hmm. by enticing them to meet the demands of the sex drive 
apart from the sanctity of marriage. Now, isn't that interesting? To heed, as in giving heed to seducing spirits, means to pay attention to and act under the leadership and control of, hence, those who satisfy the sex needs through perversions. Any of the ways contrary to what is approved in Scripture are under the control more or less of demons. Now, that's interesting. Would that be applicable to today? In an uncanny way, yes. God created sex, and the box for sex is marriage. Sex, God had two reasons for sex, uh, for a husband and wife to enjoy their physical relationship together because he put a strong sex drive in us so that the second reason for sex could be fulfilled. We have babies. And those babies are formed out of a bond of love, not, not out of an act of lust. And so when sex is, 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 is right in the framework of marriage, it's out of love because you care for someone, got a relationship with someone. And then when there's procreation, it's in that environment of love. And that's the way God planned. Yes or no? That's the way it is. So, you know, we perverted that so bad in America now. And it's, you know, I've lived long enough to see the way it was I was born in 58, and then in the 60s, it began to change in the late 60s, you know, with the, uh, with the hippie movement and all that, and, uh, and then here we are today. It's just crazy what we see now, and uh, it's become absolutely out of control in America, and my concern is the way it's twisted could bring judgment to us. And that's very serious. So uh, Fire Study Bible has another note about this. Let me, I just want to read what he said because he said something about asceticism because he mentions, um, he mentions uh, 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 some are telling you to abstain from meats and abstain from marriage. And, and there he's, he's, he's given a little reference to something the first century had to deal with it with called asceticism, which came out of Gnosticism. Let me just read it. So it says, this sort of extreme unbiblical asceticism, which is self-denial, stemmed from the belief that the material world was completely evil, all uh, a main concept of the heresy, false teaching of Gnosticism. Its basic teaching was that the spirit is entirely good, while matter or the physical world is entirely bad or evil. Uh, This led to the belief that salvation was achieved through the escape from the body which came not by faith in Christ, but by special knowledge uh, from the word gnosis or knowledge in the Greek language. This misguided belief caused some people to reject Jesus' true humanity and accept strange ideas about Jesus. Some claim that Jesus only appeared to have a body. Other believes that others believe that a uh, spiritual Christ was separated from the physical Jesus and that they were joined only between Jesus' baptism and just before he died. This philosophy also led to extreme asceticism, denying and even punishing the body, since the physical body was considered evil. So a minister dressed in black, you know, shunning any kind of, any kind of fun, any kind of laughing and joking, that was, uh, that was you know, that, that, that was catering to the physical person and all, but if you believe that everything physical is bad, you don't want to have anything to do with it. So that was a problem in the first century, and that's followed through the centuries. And they're very, very religious people that won't let you do X, Y, or Z in the name of being spiritual. And that's a, that's a salvation by works, not by grace. How I many hear me? So then the la- reason I read this is the last part. On the other extreme, this belief also led to se- what? Sexual promiscuity and other activities that were meant to satisfy other physical desires because some people felt it didn't matter what they did with their physical bodies. Listen, as long as they had the right beliefs, they felt their physical actions did not affect them spiritually. Now, here it is. A form of these same lies infects some people's religious beliefs and personal lifestyles. Even in the church today, there are people who feel that does not matter how they behave as long as they have the right spiritual beliefs. That's not true. You can't separate what you live and how you are from Sunday morning. Do you know there's still a lot of people that want to want to come to church on Sunday morning and just be like everybody else month Sunday through I mean Monday through Saturday. How many know it's not supposed to be that way? 
Everything I am is amalgamated into my life with Jesus. In him we live and move and have our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, right? So this is kind of opposite of that. And then 2 Timothy 4, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in the kingdom. Preach the word. Now this is strong, but I've got another translation I'll read. Be ready in season, in season, and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all patience and teaching, for the time will come. Now, here we are. We're in that time. When people will not endure sound doctrine, but will gather themselves to themselves, teachers in accordance with their own desires, having itching ears, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned to myths, but be self-controlled in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, prove your ministry. I'm going to skip down to Passion Translation. I've got Amplified in the notes but uh, Passion, let me see what he says here. Um, I'm going to read Amplified. There we go. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. Uh, herald and preach the word. Keep your sense of urgency. Stand by. Be ready at hand, whether the opportunity seems to be favorable or unfavorable, whether it's convenient or inconvenient, whether it's welcome or unwelcome. You as a preacher of the word says talking to me. Or to show people in what they, the way their lives are wrong. How many know part of the message is, is to make you feel uncomfortable? Yes or no? Now, now, you may not have noticed, and maybe I should have given you a little heads up, but Sunday morning, see, the Lord changed my message Saturday and purposely wanted me to challenge people's sin on Sunday morning. Did you notice that? The first part of my message to me was challenging. In fact, we had some people who didn't know the Lord, say, boy, that was, why was he talking about that? Well, I did that because I want them to know they're sinners in need of a Savior. If you don't know you're drowning, you don't need a life jacket. Huh? If you don't think the plane is going to crash, you don't need a parachute. Right? And, and unless they know they're sinners, and that's one of the problems we're having in America, we're, we're almost too soft. Not almost, we're too soft. When I was young, I mean, we had some hellfire damnation stuff going on. And I felt like a sinner in the hands of an angry God. And you know what it did to me? It kept me, kept me on the straight and narrow. And it made me think ten times before I started to, to participate in some of the things my friends were doing. How many hear what I'm saying? We don't have that restraint today in America. Have you noticed Where's the preaching like Billy Graham? I love to, don't you like to watch his old movies? He'd just tell it like it was in a big old football stadium. And then the camera spans the crowd and everybody's just looking and they're just thinking and they're real quiet because he's confronting sin. And if you want people to come to Jesus, you have to confront their sin. I know the Bible says the goodness of God leads us to repentance, but we also have to preach the word of God and reprove and exhort before we uh, reprove and rebuke before we exhort. How many hear me? So that's what I was doing Sunday morning. And that's what Paul was saying here. Then, of course, we went to the aspects of what Jesus did Sunday morning. Whether it was convenient or inconvenient, whether it's welcome or unwelcome, use a preacher of the word, or to show people in what way their lives are wrong and convince them, rebuking, correcting, warning, urging, and encouraging them, being unflagging and inexhaustible. Don't you like the way the Amplified says in impatience and teaching? For the time is coming when people will not tolerate or endure sound and wholesome instruction, but having itching ears for something pleasing and gratifying. They will gather to themselves one teacher after another to a considerable number, hmm. chosen to satisfy their own liking and to foster the errors they hold. And they'll turn aside from hearing the truth and wander off into myths and man-made fictions. Therefore, as for you, be calm, steady, accept, and suffer unflinchingly every hardship. Now, when he said suffer every hardship, that means when people don't like what you're saying, don't move. In a lot of ways in the 21st century, the American church has moved. Do you hear me? And that's the reason we have a mandate from heaven to speak the truth. Yes, we do it in love, but, but by all means, speak the truth, right? So he said, do the work of an evangelist, fully perform all of the duties of your ministry. So I want to cut to the chase uh, as it's almost time for us to stop. Um, 
my opinion is that the one of the major sources of of persecution that could by degrees get worse and worse as we move towards the time that Jesus comes back uh, i think one of the major sources of persecution for the church in america and worldwide are y'all ready for this the lgbtq movement did you hear what i just said if you're watching online and i and you heard that prick your ears up a little more because i have more to say about that movement it's a movement away from the judeo-christian era that caused the west to rise and caused us to have all of the blessings and freedoms we enjoy today. Did you hear what I just said? And that movement, because the Antichrist will be a lawless person, and because anything goes, and an immoral person, see that spirit of immorality has grabbed the world now. And it's, and, and it's on the heels of the LGBTQ rights. You say, Pastor, don't you love everybody? Yes, I do. Does Jesus love everybody? Yes, he does. Jesus loves everybody. Red and yellow, black and white, all the precious in his sight. We, We sing it, right? Just because Jesus loves me, it doesn't mean he condones what I do and what I value. Yes or no? So that's something we have to wrestle with this as a church. And here's what I see, and maybe we can open it up in a minute, but... uh. I see a lot of a lot of churches acquiescing and backing up because of the the uh, community pressure to conform, and then see you got to understand the younger people in colleges, universities, and now it's it's beginning to happen. Sadly, in our elementary schools, and I mentioned that Sunday, is this stuff is uh, I mean there 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 is an agenda to change the morals of America and the world. Is there not? So the question is: Are we supposed to just stand by? And let anything be said that needs to be said without standing up and and affirming what we honestly believe? Are we supposed to just stand aside? Is that the way we're to do this? Uh, Are are we going to win our generation by doing that? Is anybody going to be challenged to change if we do that? Then, then, Then what's the price of standing up and lovingly sharing who Jesus is, what he is, and talking about the holiness of God. The price of that is persecution today because now we have a whole culture, not only in America, but I would say worldwide, in a lot of ways, they just want to do what they want to do. And they don't want to be, they don't want anybody to say anything that they disagree with. How many hear me? Can I be real? I I left here Sunday, my heart was just so grieved. I, I can't, uh, it was Easter. I had 17 people at my house. We ate lunch and had fun. I had to go somewhere. I'd say, God, my heart hurts. It hurts. Because we had, a lot, most of these chairs were full. Did y'all notice Sunday? And I knew in my heart, that there were people here that did not know Jesus. And I also had an inward intuition that when I said what I said to start the message, it was an affront to many. And that it exposed their sin. And that they liked their sin more than the idea of changing their lifestyle so Jesus can come in. How many hear me? Did you know that's the American culture today? I don't know about you, but that should grieve me. And that should grieve you. And if it doesn't grieve us, then something has seduced us. Right? Can I go a little further? I've got some comments I want to read. And I want to read some from a couple of familiar, one really familiar passage. But I've got some notes I want you to hear because it'll make you think. Is that okay? Is that fair? Wow. Um, so, so let me tell you, let me go back to so Sunday when I left here. I, uh, 
You know, we had three people respond. I, I was looking for 15 or 20. But I knew full well there were people in the house. Here's, here's what I knew. We had people who were lying and cheating and fornicating. Uh, we had homosexuals and lesbians. And that's good. Uh, everybody should come to church, right? And we had um, just people in all kinds of, just unsaved people, which I love for unsaved. Don't you love for people that don't know the Lord to come to church with you? And, and I want to say thank you for inviting your family, your friends, your co-workers. That means a lot to me that you would do that. Um, but at the same time, it grieved me. It grieved me, the lack of response. So a so couple of things. I had to ask myself, did we pray enough? Do we care enough? Um, and obviously, I picked all the lint out of my belly button. You know, did, I, did, I, did I give the right kind of altar ministry to them? But I come back to it in my heart. I felt, Mitch, this is the American culture right now. And in a lot of ways, the church is responsible for the lack of aggressing towards repentance. How many hear me? Right? Everybody okay? Then let me read this. Romans 1. It's familiar, but yes, this is New Living Translation, verse 21. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols. Made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. And of course, that's, that's paganism. And of course, that's idolatry that historically is accounted for. So God had abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Now, that one grabs when it says that God would abandon someone to their shameful desires. Does that shock you? I got a tag from the Holy Ghost. Let me read this. Now, when I read that, here's something else that just came to my heart. And this is from, and see, this is what Jesus said about the time just before he comes. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong. And the one who is filthy, vile, or impure, this is amplified, still be filthy. And then he turns it. And the one who is righteous, just, and upright, still be righteous. And the one who is holy, still be holy. We're living in a time right now, God will allow you to be what you want to be. You carve your path. You do what you want, but you're responsible for the aftermath. Right? Now, that's what Jesus said just before he comes back. Let those who, and you know what he's saying? This is a time where, and this goes right in line with God abandoning a person to allow them to do what they want to do. Once the Holy Spirit knocks, once light has come, and a person chooses darkness, could God eventually say, okay, have it your way. Do you have to do that to your children when they grow up? Yes or no? That's hard, isn't it? Train your child up a certain way and they go awry. Boy, I mean, you want to shoot both ten fingers at them. But you can't do it. Because they got to give you permission now. And sometimes they don't. Does that hurt a parent? Huh? How do you think it makes Jesus feel? So here, out of his love, he lets a person do what they want to do. Just because God allows something doesn't mean he wants it. It means he's respecting a person's choice. Choose you this day. Is that true? Anyway, just something to think about. So back over here uh, to James. Uh, to Everybody okay with time? All right. You sure? So here we are. Uh, verse 26, that is why God abandoned them to the shameful desires. Even the women, now we watch this. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and, and instead indulged in sex with each other. 
And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Wow. Their lives became full of every kind, and then he just broadens the spectrum here. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful. They invent new ways of sinning. They, they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. Whoa, pretty rough. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet. They encourage others to do them too. Now, that's the state right now we're in, in America. Is that true? Then Fire Study Bible, I thought I'd read, this is a, a really uh, insightful note and quote uh, from their comment, this guy's commentary. Um, he says this, this passage, um, what I just read, um, gives the picture of homosexual and lesbian activity as one of the greatest evidences of human rebellion, mm. corruption, and a drive for self-satisfaction. The choice comes from the rejection of God's pattern for behavior. So God allows those, those who insist to go their own way, He God allows them to go their own way. And then he says this, any nation that justifies, and this is challenging, homosexuality or lesbianism as a perfectly acceptable lifestyle, listen, is in its final stages of moral corruption. Isn't that something? a fact proven throughout the history of nations. Uh, and then he lists other Bible passages. Notice uh, also that failing to depend on God and refusing to follow his ways results in many other forms of ungodly behavior that ought not to be done. And then he mentions that, things that are equally detestable to God. Some of these sins mentioned in this list are surprisingly common. Greed, gossip, arrogance, disobedience to parents. In God's view, sin is sin. And it represents defiance against him. People who are guilty of any of these things, just as, as those involved in homosexual behavior, must acknowledge their sin against God, against his forgiveness, yield their lives to his son Jesus, submit to his leadership. As they rely on God to change and transform their lives, the Holy Spirit will begin to work within them, helping them to overcome and find a higher fulfillment of their lives. And then uh, he's got one other quote here, and I want to read this, and I've got a comment um, I want to make, and, and then I'll, I'll have to close and maybe may have a couple of comments. Um, uh, then he makes this comment about all the list of sins at the very end of that chapter we just read. Paul concludes this passage on human sinfulness and corruption by confronting con condition that is equally as serious, in some ways more so, the apostles grieved over the reality that some have been supporting and encouraging evil by taking pleasure in the immoral actions of others and thereby showing their approval of these acts. And this is going to get strong in a minute. Approving and defending ungodliness causes it to multiply. Listen, approving and defending ungodliness causes it to multiply in a society much faster than the sinful acts themselves. So if we sit by and not at it and let it entertain us, saying it's okay, we make it worse. You get it? Wow. The word approve, and it gives the Greek word, meaning agree with, consent to, or sympathize with, points to a casual enjoyment of the sins of others. It's the highest expression of corruption when sin and sensual behavior becomes a form of entertainment. Wow. Does that grab you? It should. Today, many experience the great harm a society can suffer when it saturates itself with all kinds of crude and godless examples that fill so many of our venues of entertainment, movies, books, magazines, theaters, television. Yet many people, young and old, approve of and take pleasure in what will destroy them in the end. Even Christians can find themselves drawn into the hopeless path using an any number of misguided excuses. They may call it harmless fun, a, a means of socializing, an experience that teaches reality or helps them to relate to the culture, but being entertained by watching other people sin and engage in ungodly actions, even though you yourself do not participate, does not please God any more than those who are sinning directly. Is that good? Whew. Let me fit. This is it. One more thing. Those especially Christians 
who use the immoral actions of others as entertainment, listen, are directly contributing to the public's tolerant and favorable opinion of moral indecency and spiritual insensitivity. Does that grab you? This careless attitude allows the, e the influence of evil to increase by encouraging people to keep doing what they are doing. Approval discourages any sense of guilt or shame. So there seems to be no reason to change or stop. But the end results of such a path is spiritual and eternal destruction on the day of judgment. See how quiet? Y'all, you got to stop renting the movies that got nasty in them and watching TikTok and reels that got nasty in them and looking at things on Facebook that's got nasty. How many hear me? Right? Stop being entertained by this stuff. So you see where we are? We've lost our conscience as a culture. And my big concern is judgment's approaching. See, God's letting us be what we want, but what we want to be is not taking us where we want to go as a culture, right? So if I, as a believer, if I'm not grieved today, then something's hardened me. Yes or no? So, so I've got to say, God, am I grieved? I should be grieved over the sins of others. I love them, but my heart, if it's not grieving, then my heart's become hardened by the culture. How many hear me? Right? So, Pastor, what are you saying? Well, I'm saying we love everybody. I'm saying we accept everybody. Anybody in our culture can come to, into this building. Is, is that true? And, and we should invite them. But we have to act in a way that anybody we talk to in any venue understands that our God is a holy God. He's loving and He's pure. And that He loves you immensely. And He will give you a heart to repent if you're willing to forsake what you know is wrong and follow Jesus the Christ. Is it true? Wow. So I got a lot more to read, and it's all in my notes, and, and I probably need to start back next time. But the Bible is really, really clear. I, uh, the other thing, I, I don't have time, but I, I really wish I did. Uh, I dare you to go read that book by uh, Jonathan Kahn, The Gods Have Returned. Anybody read that book? Raise your hand. How many have read the book? How many don't know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. Ah, there's a book called The Gods Have Returned by Jonathan Kahn who is a Messianic um, priest, I guess. He's a pastor. Messianic rabbi is what I'm trying to say. And, uh, you know, he's born again. And uh, that's a challenging book. And he's got, and I wanted to read some of the quotes, but I can't. It's just too much. But here's what he says. He says, um, uh, he gives the analogy. The whole thesis of the book is um, Matthew 12. When the unclean spirit's gone out of a man, he walks through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I'll, I'll go back and to the house I was, you know, set free from. And when I find it empty, I'm going to go get me seven more of my friends, even worse than me. And we're going to come and dwell in that man. He'll be worse than the first. And then he says, so it will be to this, to this, to this ungodly generation. It's not just the individual. He made it into a nation. If a nation's known freedom, if a nation's known godliness, if a nation has known righteousness, if a nation has been moral and they choose to neglect their, to, to move away from their moral base that made them strong, then those demon forces on the outside will come right back. And what he said is Western culture was based on Judeo-Christian Ten Commandments, like I mentioned Sunday, and Judeo-Christian morals, which are the morals of sex, only being engaged in in the confines of marriage, right? He says, and it's really strong. I, I just dare you to read the book. Those same demon spirits that, um, that 
were behind the false gods of every single culture in history. I don't care which culture you read about, all the way from those that are 4,000 plus years old to the Greek and Roman cultures, uh, all the way up to today. Um, paganism and pagan false gods have always been worshipped by sexual immorality. And it's always adultery, fornication, homosexuality, lesbianism, lesbianism, bestiality. And then the end part of it becomes transvestitism. And men becoming women, women becoming men. And this is propagated by demon spirits. And now those demon spirits have been let loose in our country. We can't call evil good. But they're wanting us to call good evil. So y'all, we're in a precarious place. And I, I want to encourage you. This is tough. I hear you. Everybody looking at me. We just need to pray. You need to pray for your neighbors. If, if, I, if I give a poll tonight, probably everybody in here, you've got people on your street, family members, people you work with, children, grandchildren, or their friends who are homosexuals. You probably have on your street men that are married to men, women that are married to women, Men who are living together with another man and they're homeless, right? See, everybody's, we're all dealing with the same thing. Am I saying we go crawl in a, in a hole and do nothing? No, no, I'm saying we love Jesus and love people. But when we engage people in conversation, we tell them who we are. We talk about who Jesus is. And we talk about what he can do. And people do one of two things. They like what you say or they don't like what you say. You've got to be willing to be persecuted for righteousness' sake, not for saying things that should not be said and for denigrating a person's personal worth and character, but for sharing the gospel message. How many hear me? Friends, if we don't wake up, hell is about to land. Y'all get it? So that's how the enemy attacks. That, that fourth wave with the deception. How many churches in America are willing to stand up and speak truth? You've got to answer the question. Go seek it out. So let's pray for pastors. In our prayer times, we're praying for pastors. We're praying for churches. And we're praying for the body of Christ. We're praying for people to come to Jesus. I think there's going to be a tremendous move of God. And we're in the middle of it. What do you think? But it can't be just fanfare. It's got to have substance to it. And that substance means change lives. Right? Anybody got any comments? Anybody got anything? Anybody? It's late, I know. Though. I'll let you talk. Anybody? I know it's sticky subject, right? I get it. If we're not willing to talk about these things, we can't help them. Is that true? So let me, let me end it with this since you don't want to say anything. I'm good. Uh, if you have anybody struggling with that, I'll talk to them. I'd be willing to talk to them. I'll, I'll just say, well, what you're feeling, what you're doing, and what you're thinking. And, and I'll just ask them questions and then let them ask me questions. I'd be willing Maybe they don't want to, but start praying for the people that you know. Not just bound in these kinds of sins, but just don't know the Lord. How many hear me? So bow your head a minute as we close. How do you stop this? My goodness. Help me, Lord. Lord, we just bless you today and honor you. Lord, I present to you what I shared on my knees. My heart's broken and I'm breaking for our nation, sir. America was once a wonderful, great nation. It's still a great nation. But we've gone awry. The seedbed for judgment is here. And I ask you, Lord, anything in me is not what it ought to be. Change it. I give you permission. Put your thumb. Tell him that for you. Anything I need to alter, anything I need to change, 
what I do, how I do, how I treat others, what I watch, what I read, what I look at. Lord, challenge it. Draw every one of us away from every distraction of our culture into Jesus. And Lord, let the power of Jesus rise up in us. Let the power of purity and holiness rise up in us in the name of Jesus. Now, you know you're watching online and you know maybe you've got a same-sex attraction. Maybe you're a man and you like men. Or maybe you're a woman and you're attracted to women. And you're being told it's okay. Well, the first thing I want you to know is there, are, there is a God in heaven that loves you immensely and deeply. He loves you right where you're at. But He doesn't love your sin. And the Bible calls, Bible calls disobedience to God sin. You're watching and, and you're living with your girlfriend, your boyfriend. And you know what? Now here's a word of knowledge. You're older and you've been taught better as a young person. But now you've been given permission by the culture. My friend, God is drawing you away from what you know is wrong. And he's asking you to come back to the foot of the cross. and Lay yourself in front of Jesus and let him talk to you. And my friend, if you're, you're listening to me, and you have these desires, you're a man, you desire a man, you're a woman, you desire a woman, or, you know, uh, oh, wow, Here, here's a young person, you're listening. Somehow you caught this video, and uh, you're being told you're a boy, but you can dress like a girl and act like one. Jesus is asking you to come to him and be different. He's asking you to lay anything you think you like at His feet and let Him talk to you about it because you're an eternal being. And one day you're going to be in eternity outside of this physical body you're in. You'll be a spirit person in eternity. And your choice is now determine where you go. Heaven, if you make Jesus Christ your Savior by repenting of sin, or hell, if you choose your own way and neglect Jesus in repentance. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for every person that's watching this, regardless of the date or time, let the Spirit of God, the Spirit of holiness, let the Spirit of repentance, let it come into the room and grasp the heart of every person listening. And, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would manifest in the room and draw us, Lord God, to you. If you're listening to me, I I've never done this in my whole life. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. To do that, you've got to come clean with God. You've got to repent. That means change your mind about what you're doing. You have same-sex attractions. You, you, you're a boy and but want to dress like a girl. Lay that at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, I like that. I want that. But be honest with God. If you'll do this, God will do something with you. But you'll say, God, if that's wrong, show me and change me. I give you permission to work inside of me. Show me and change me. And watch what God will do. He will manifest himself to you. He'll make himself real to you. If you could ever understand how much God and the Lord Jesus loves you, you'd want him with all of your heart. I've been without Jesus. I've been with him. And there is no person that can ever love you the way Jesus Christ can. Would you let him in? Lay what you want at his feet. I've done that so many times in my life. You say, Lord, I want that. But I also want you. So if that's wrong, change me. Change it. Put inside of me something different. God, I'll answer that. 
I, I tell you, God answered me. Thank you for listening. So, Lord, as we conclude this service, Lord, I ask you to give us a compassion for people. People that are not like us. People that don't know you. People that do know you but are misinformed. Lord, we ask you have mercy on the United States of America. We're the leader of the world in so many ways. Now we're leading the world off into a path that's wrong. Lord, help us have mercy on us. We ask you, let the Spirit of God manifest. And let Him start inside of us and then let Him begin in the relationships around us on our, the people that live on our street, the people in our families, the people we work with at lunchtime. Minister life through us as we in Jesus' name.